Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. Are you well? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm unwell. <laughs> I'm sorry. But this strawberry milk is like doing it to me. It tastes like childhood, like those Nesquik <sighs> strawberry milk things. But like better. Yeah. Like good for you. It's delicious. Did you try mine? No. Can I? Do you want I? to? Mm-hmm. Do you like lychee or lychee? I mm -hmm. never know how to pronounce it. Let me chew the boba in my mouth first. <laughs> I really wish you would have tried the one that I sent you a picture of from Alamosa. What was that one? It was like dragon fruit with... It was dragon fruit lemonade. No. I think it was strawberry lemonade <laughs> with dragon fruit pearls. Oh. It was so good. It sounds good. Mmm. Mmm. Do you like it? It tastes like summer. It does. I love it. That's good. We got to go back. Absolutely. It's Kimira spot now. Yes. I need some funnel cake. Yeah. We'll just eat through the menu. <laughs> it's not a very long menu. No. And everything sounded pretty good. Yeah. There were some things I probably won't get. <laughs> they had something with lobster that I was like. Oh, yeah. Huh. It was like lobster nuggets. Something like that. It was yeah. so weird. I was like, um. No, thank you. And then that those cups of whatever that they had in their like fridge. Oh yeah, pond scum. <laughs> it looks like an ecosystem that you find at the creek. What was that? So weird. I, you know that's a drink. There were like seeds in it, probably like chia seeds. It, it was, looked like, horrifying. It was yellow green colored. Like it was gross. I do not think I could bring myself to no. drink that. No way. Never. <laughs> at least don't put it in a clear cup. Yeah. <laughs> Really? You need to cover that up. <laughs> cover up your pond stone. <laughs> All right. Well, happy Fearsome Fridays. Happy early birthday. And um, hope your month is going well. And what day is it? The 18th. <gasps> it's almost my birthday. Almost your birthday. Almost Charlotte's birthday. Charlotte's birthday party is tomorrow. <gasps> happy birthday, Charlotte. I'm probably, as I'm listening to this, I'm... Probably blowing up balloons Aww. and making, I really want to make cake pops. I love cake pops. They're so much work, mm -hmm. but I think my mother, both of my in-laws, are they still my in-laws? Both of Charlotte's other grandparents. Uh -huh. How do I say this? You know what I'm trying to Charlotte's say. Charlotte's grandparents. Other grandparents though. Michael, my, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> They're both going to be here. Uh -huh. So I'll have a lot of help if I want to ask for it. Yeah. Or I could just cave and buy some. <laughs> They're like way overpriced. They are. They're like five bucks a pop. Mm -hmm. For what? Just I... go to Starbucks and buy them out <laughs> for $70. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I think one year they had them at Sam's Club, like a tray of like 12. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, we need this. And it was like... <laughs> Forty dollars or something ridiculous. I was really? Like, what? <laughs> it's cake pops. Why? It's crazy. Yeah, they are Too a much. ton of work. But her her birthday theme is first trip around the sun, and so like, I feel like I have to. Yeah. Sun shaped. It's sun shaped. <laughs> you gotta. It should be fun. Yeah. Anyway, well, did I introduce us? No. Happy Fearsome Fridays. We're Unholy Gossip Girls of KC. I'm Faye. What are you drinking that I already tried on air? I'm drinking a very <laughs> delicious lychee fruit tea with 
lychee popping boba in it. Aww. And you? Strawberry milk with regular boba in it. Yum. Have you watched those videos of like how they make boba? No. It's so much work. Is it? Yeah. Like it's it they like make a dough first and then they have to like form the little balls. How do they then... make this kind with like the liquid inside? I don't know. I'm I don't know. Look that up. I doubt they can make that in store. Yeah. I'm sure it will. I guess I don't know. I would have to look that up. Let's go back and ask them for their secrets. <laughs> can you tell me how you make this? And he's like, first, you order it. <laughs> Second, you open the container. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is so good, though. Boba, what a concept. What a concept. Delicious one. <sighs> we should open a boba store. We should. Food truck. A boba food truck. Yeah. <sighs> You know, okay, this is off topic, but when we went to Liberty, there was like, I mean, that's fine. When we went to high school, <laughs> there was like nothing around anywhere. No, yeah. And I just thought like a food truck would be such a good idea. Just park it near a school. Yeah. You get so much business. Yeah. Because like even the kids who can't go off camp campus can go across the street, right? I wonder if you would have to get permission or whatever. Well, if you like park at the church, just ask the church for permission. They have to say yes because they're a church. Right. Did you see they're building all kinds of stuff over yes. there? Yes. There's like houses and so something weird. else going in it's growing it's growing i don't like it yeah want everything to stay the same yeah <laughs> i hear a baby again oh she's so cute all right what do we have this week i'm gonna tell you about melvin or mel lee wiley melvin wiley w-i-l-e-y Okay. All right. Mel was born on May 6th, 1938 in Lorain County, Ohio to parents Clark and Doris. Doris. He's the oldest of four children. Aww. Mel, whose father was an engineer for the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad, developed a deep love for trains early in life. Aww. As a child, one of his favorite activities was to walk down to the railroad crossing and spend hours just watching the trains go by. Wow. He also collected model trains. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Though, th though friendly and helpful, Mel was also reserved and intensely private, making him something of an enigma to those around him. Hmm. That's always a good thing to be. An enigma? Yeah. Just make people wonder. I mean, just because he's shy? Because he doesn't tell anyone about his life. I mean, he's private. I know lots of people like that. They're enigmas. <laughs> He loved music as well, especially classical and jazz, and collected records. Oh, that's so weird to think about that it was called still called classical back then. Oh, yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic. <laughs> Mel, Mel was an avid writer from a young age and believed that writing was his true calling in life, aspiring to one day become a successful author. Aww. He'd go on to eventually have one book of poetry published through a private company. How cute. That's sweet. I like this guy. I don't want to rain on his parade, but like anybody can do that. True. <laughs> but like, good for him. Yeah. He at least tried and did it. He had also been working on his first novel, a murder mystery set in <gasps> Burnt Cabins, Pennsylvania. That's a cool town name. <gasps> Burnt Cabins. I, went, I drove by the street 
the other day mm -hmm. and it was called Witch's Willow. Oh. And I was like, I want to live there. I want to live there too. You know where <laughs> I want to live? Yes. Purgatory. Is that a street name? Mm -hmm. It's like by the library. Ugh. There's one over there called Serendipity. I love that. Ugh. So many good street names and yeah. mine sucks. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, our our neighborhood name is racist as fuck. Oh, it is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Your street name is cute though. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, it's all right. It's cute. I don't know what the it's theme cute. is around here. In my parents' neighborhood, it's all flowers. Really? Yeah. Mine is cowboy equipment. <laughs> Yours is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so he was working on his first novel, and the working title was Harvest of Madness. Whoa. Pretty cool. Huh. Following his parents' divorce, Mel saw his father less and less and eventually become estranged from him. Aww. However, he remained very close to his mother and siblings. As you do. As you do. After he graduated from high school in spring 1956, Mel left home to attend George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Wow, so he was he published a book of poems before he even graduated high school? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I That's guess. very impressive. I suppose. That's the way it's written out, at least. Yeah. That's super cool. Good for him. <laughs> During his time in the nation's capital, he was hired by the FBI as a fingerprint technician. A position he held for three years. That's so cool. In 1960, he enlisted in the army and relocated to California before being assigned to an atomic testing site in Nevada. Whoa. While the exact nature of his work there is undisclosed. Mm, top secret. <laughs> it is known that he was involved. Fuji. It is known that he was involved in an accident while at the testing site suffering radiation burns to his <gasps> arms and torso. And definitely got cancer and died. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> From this point on, Mel would always wear long sleeve shirts due to feeling deeply self-conscious of the white patches. Fuji. It's too echoey in here it for is. you to be making all those noises. <laughs> uh, he wore long sleeve shirts due to feeling deeply self-conscious of the white patches of scarring which marked his arms. Huh. Following his stint in the army, Mel decided to go back to school and went on to graduate from Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Ooh. Why? Mormons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mormons, if you're listening. <laughs> it's like a super weird school, you know? Have you ever, like, read about it? That particular school? Uh-huh. Uh -uh. It's, like, super Mormon and, like, you can't do anything. The women are, like, dress-coded there. Whoa. And it's a college. Weird. It's crazy. Huh. I've never heard about that. Afterwards, he chose to return to Ohio and ultimately settled in Medina, where his mother Doris was residing. Doris. Doris. So he married a woman in 1967 named Cynthia Manzer, and they moved into Heritage House Apartments together. Okay. So in Ohio, he obtained a position with the... He once again obtained a position with the FBI as a fingerprint technician. And okay. he worked within the local Hinkley police force, instructing officers on the finer points of taking and examining fingerprints. Is that what he went to school for, you think? I do not know. Because that'd be weird to go to school for, like, 
be to become an author or something and then go back to fingerprinting yeah it's also weird that they're living in an apartment after he's an established adult with a degree and multiple careers yeah so in addition to his position at the police department he also had two part-time jobs one is a private investigator okay and the other is a crime beat reporter for the medina gazette post what this guy what <laughs> It wasn't long before he rose to the rank of sergeant. Wow. And when the police chief announced his resignation in 1982, Mel Wiley was chosen as his successor. Wow. Um, tragedy struck his, struck his family, the Wiley family, on October 7th, 1983, when his 38 year old brother died of cancer. Oh, uh, 38? Yes. Wow. He was deeply affected. Yeah. And they had a close relationship and it was the first time people who knew Mel ever seen him become emotional about anything. Whoa. So he was like stoic. Yeah. Enigma. Yeah. And then his brother died and he's like sad about it whatever. Yeah. You know, those enigmas. <laughs> the same year, his wife of 17 years filed for divorce and moved to New York. Whoa. However, the, oh wait, the, <laughs> I'm ahead. Hold on, I have to go back. Um, allegedly, the final straw for Cynthia and Mel was an affair that he had with a local married woman, Ugh. as well as the revelation that he had been writing erotic tales about women who lived in the area. Oh! A fact that came to light when a dispatcher at the police department discovered these stories, which he had been typing while at work, what discarded in the trash ass. can at his office. What? Discarded in his trash can? Mm-hmm. What a dumbass. Right? He was devastated by the end of his marriage. However, he found some measure and solace in the companionship of his three beloved cats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and several weeks... After several weeks, he reportedly began to seem like himself again. Oh. Um. So his relationship with the married woman whose name has never been revealed, ended in February 1985, okay. a little over a year after his divorce from Cynthia. Yeah. And then he began dating a woman named Judy, Aww. the ex-wife of a fellow police officer, okay. <laughs> which wasn't well received by some of his co-workers. I'm sure. But they were very happy together. Aw, I like that name. It's very, like, cute. Which name? Judy? Judy. It is cute. Um... So he left work one day, July 27th, 1985, and went to the Gazebo Restaurant and Lounge, where he stayed for about an hour. Then he went to Judy's house, where he told her that he couldn't be spending the night because he needed to get up early the next day and wanted to go to bed soon. Okay, why'd he even go over? I don't know. <laughs> According to Before Mel. Before cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> According to Mel, he would be meeting an old friend whom he had never identified. Okay. In the morning, and the two were planning to go swimming at Cleveland's Edgewater Park. Okay. Located on the shores of Lake Erie. Oh. Pretty eerie. Okay. He also stated that he wanted to stop by Walmart beforehand to buy a bathing suit. Okay. Judy found this odd, particularly because Mel didn't actually like swimming uh -huh. and was extremely uncomfortable with exposing his scars. Yeah. But she didn't press him on it. Before leaving, he assured her that he'd call her the following day after he was done visiting with his friend. 
Hmm. That weekend, neither Judy nor Mel's mother, whom he'd promised to call on Sunday, heard from him. When Monday rolled around, Mel also didn't show up for work or call in. Uncharacteristic behavior from the typically reliable police chief. Hmm. It doesn't appear that anyone was especially worried about his absence initially, as there are no reports suggesting that anybody stopped by his apartment or tried to call him either that weekend or on Monday. Because he didn't have a whole lot of friends. Because he must he not have. Was an enigma. And he was writing weird stories about women. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I don't want to know him. Can't trust that enigma. <laughs> <laughs> um, what ultimately set off alarm bells and alerted everyone that he was missing was this, was the discovery of his 1980 beige Toyota Corolla station wagon. A treasured vehicle that he inherited from his brother Clark, locked and abandoned at Edgewater Park. Park officials ran the license plate and were surprised to learn it began to belong to the police chief. Okay. So there are differing accounts of what happened next. According to one of the accounts, the park officials notified law enforcement immediately after finding the station wagon. Another version states that they actually surveilled the vehicle for a full day to see if anyone returned to it before contacting authorities. Okay. I guess both make sense to me. Yeah. Because you don't want to, like, jump to conclusions. I guess. But also, like, if someone's missing, then they're missing and you need to find them. Yeah. I don't know. Couldn't be me. I'd rather be safe than sorry. True. Rather be like, oh my god, I thought you were missing. And they're like, I was... Literally just walking down the beach. I'm swimming like I said I would be. <laughs> Leave me alone. Calm down. Mm, stupid. Okay. <laughs> um, by Wednesday, the police knew about the vehicle and examined it. Inside, they found a stack of Mel's clothing on the passenger seat. Fuji. Fuji, come here. Because all the windows in my entire house are, like, wide open. Oh. Fuji. Um, they found a stack of Mel's clothing on the passenger seat, as well as a pack of Salem cigarettes, his preferred brand. Okay. Also present were his keys, his wallet with his driver's license, credit card, badge, and $15 inside, suntan lotion, and a beach towel. So, signs that he was planning on swimming. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the former police chief who aided in the investigation was immediately struck by the strangeness of the driver's seat position. Mel was 5'11", yet the seat was pulled far forward as if the driver was actually much shorter. Ooh. Despite the oddity, there were no signs of a struggle in or around the car. Huh. Uh, They believed that the car had been left no earlier than Monday morning. So that's kind of weird because he was... Gone all weekend. Yeah. Or supposedly... The search of Mel's apartment revealed several of his long sleeve shirts were missing, as well as his unfinished manuscript, address book, and a book of poetry. Aww. Additionally, the refrigerator was empty except for one partial jar of mayonnaise. Okay. He had taken a couple thousand dollars with him. However, nothing else, including his model train collection and two guns, appeared to be missing. Huh. Interestingly, he'd left out several days worth of food and water for his cats, who were still inside. Aww. A note was also found in Mel's handwriting with the Greyhound bus departure times from Cleveland to Fort Ord, California, where he'd been stationed for part of his duration in the Army. Okay. They discovered an Amtrak train schedule as well. So. So. 
they searched the lake because they thought maybe he probably he drowned. drowned in there. Okay. But there was no sign of him at all. And they believed his body would have washed ashore by now. Okay. His girlfriend and family couldn't accept the idea that he'd stage his own disappearance. They said, why do something unnecessarily dramatic when he could have simply <laughs> chosen to move away in a more normal way <laughs> and maintain contact with them? <laughs> Sounds like he's going through a midlife crisis, too. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the people who he talked to or were friends with or knew said that he seemed his usual self. While others noted that he had been displaying signs of depression. Hmm. So no one can agree. Hmm. Um, his office was searched. Nothing stood out to, to begin with, aside from the fact that he'd removed some of his things, such as his reference books. However, Virginia Yates, a dispatcher, had the idea to look at Mel's typewriter ribbon and transcribe what she found on it, hoping hmm. it might provide clues. This led to a subscription. This led to a surprising discovery. Okay. Mel had recently written a letter to the unnamed married woman with whom he had an affair. Mm. In the letter, he spoke about his frustration with where he was in life and a desire to leave it all behind. Hmm. The whole letter has never been released, but here's a part of it. All that seems to exist for me are the are the day-to-day reminders of all the things in the past 20 years that once started either did not work out or that never did have the potential for working out no matter how much time would go by. By the time you read this, I'll be 2,400 miles away. By the time you receive this, I will, in a sense, have gone away. That's emo as fuck. Right? So, um, he, it's weird that he wrote that letter to the married woman he had an affair with mm-hmm. when he currently had a girlfriend. Well, he was obviously still in love with her. Just weird to me. Because when you, I just feel like if I was going to write my I'm going away letter, it would be to my girlfriend. Well, he's clearly experiencing some sort of psychotic break. Well, yeah, definitely. So he was obviously harboring some obsessive feelings. (laughs) I wonder why her name isn't released. I feel like it should be. I don't know. So they didn't understand why he would sever contact with his mother, who had recently lost another son. Hmm. It's also unclear why he decided to leave behind roughly $16,000, which is equivalent to $45,000 today, mm-hmm. as well as the cats and the vehicle he loved so much. Hmm. Medina detective Jim Bigham had his own theory on this. He said, it's almost like he acted out the last chapter of a book and rode off into the sunset. He was huh. tired of getting nowhere. He outlined personal and professional problems that were building it. It was general frustration, a feeling of getting nowhere fast. He felt he was not accomplishing anything. Um, there's one line that stands out in Mel's final letter. It says, fortunately or unfortunately, it is a one-way trip, so I'm told, with no possibility of ever returning. Suggesting that either he didn't make the decision to vanish by himself, or he's in hinting at intention to commit suicide. So they're unclear on that. Hmm. He made vague allusions to another woman, perhaps his girlfriend, in the letter. Uh, the owner of the donut shop, where he used to go all the time, <laughs> had opinions. Mm-hmm. She says, the whole thing didn't make sense. Certain things look one way and other things look another way. People say they saw evidence of depression. We never saw it here and he was here every day. Hmm. His mom took 
the cats and his belongings. She said, I hear the whistle of a train and I think, I wonder if he can hear it, if he's even alive. I think it and I feel sad, she lamented. I don't know where he is. I find it frightening. I don't know why he left in the manner he did. I love mysteries too, but I wouldn't do that. Hmm. Um, his sister, Karen, says, I think the police know more than they're telling us. I think they're covering up something. Hmm. Um, there's been no further activity on his bank account or credit cards. His family and friends never heard from him again. And even when his sister, Karen, passed away in 1993, there was no word from him. They had him declared legally dead to tie, a, tie up loose ends with his estate. His sister, Myra, is the only remaining member of the Wiley family. And if he is still alive, he would be in his 80s today. Um. But no one knows if he is or where he went or what his deal is. Huh. My source mm-hmm. was an article by Michelle Short on... TheCrimeWire.com. Wow. I've never heard of this story. Yeah, me either. Do you think it could be that he wanted to change his identity like they do on TV shows? (laughs) (laughs) Where they, like, literally have to leave everything behind and, like... Maybe he had to go to the bus station and then whatever company or people that he hired to do that for him, that's who drove the car back to the lake. Could be. Sounds likely. I think he just probably wanted, he's either dead, Mm -hmm. long dead, or he just wanted to start his life over. Yeah. But then I wonder if like, he like you said like he used someone to like get his own new life mm-hmm. and that's why he's saying they said it's a one-way trip or yeah i've heard it's or whatever he said yeah that would make sense that's the vibes i'm getting yeah. i don't know if that's like i mean there's got to be some truth in it because you see it enough times on tv yeah so there has to be something like that somewhere where that actually happens like an anastasia where they have to go get their papers yeah yeah interesting what do you other other than my theory? What do you think? I like to think that he just started over mm-hmm. and didn't die in a lake. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm choosing to believe. I mean, if he's anything like the enigma I live with, <laughs> it sounds like he just like literally had like a mental breakdown. Yeah, and fucking it happens. Blew up his life. Which, as the person who's currently being affected by that. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. It's sad that that mom lost so many of her kids, too. I know. I feel like I couldn't do that to my mom. No matter how fun it would be to, like, go start over and have my own super cool life, I couldn't do that to my mom. Yeah. I don't think starting over sounds that fun. I think it sounds really fun. I have a lot of friends and family that I like too much. (laughs) That would be sad. All right. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else? No. Okay. Well, follow us on social media and um, we'll see you guys September 1st for a 
fun bonus episode. Cool. Bye. Bye.